What is good, everybody? That's right. This is J.R. Liebert, the scarf. There's only a little bit left in the tank on the voice after having it recover a couple of days ago, fading fast once again. But fear not, my friends. That's right. Finally, Philly has come back from Rome, sitting directly to my left in beautiful Culver City, California today as we record. He's back, everybody. Say hi, Philly. Bonjourno or buonasera, depending on what time you are listening to this episode. Defenders, I am back, and I wanted to do that rock intro myself, but you took it away from me, and that's okay. (laughs) It's been forever that I've been gone, and that's what it feels like, but Scarf has been holding down the fort with two solid Defenders of the Bank episodes. Well done, my friend. I don't have to talk the whole time. This is my favorite episode out of the last three that I've done. Excellent. It was definitely weird going through segments ready to kick it to Philly, and then looking over, and there was no Philly to kick it to. It's kind of funny. On my flight back from Italy, I was listening to the episode, and there were times where I thought, oh, that's exactly where he would cue me in. And then I'm like, oh, this is where he sounds like he edited it. (laughs) It kind of flowed like that. But I'll tell you, I'm utterly thrilled that I didn't get quarantined in Italy. Of all the places the coronavirus had to hit, of all the places I had to go visit, it had to be Italy. And to be honest... There are far worse places to be trapped for a while. Don't know if any of you have seen the movie The Terminal with Tom Hanks. Great movie. But I was envisioning that Panda and I would be living in an airport waiting to be cleared out in order to cross into the U.S. Luckily, our version of Krakosia didn't come true and didn't come into fruition. Panda and I, after 28 hours of traveling, finally made it to L.A. Thank you, my friend, for picking us up. And I somehow managed to stumble through today's match. You know, you did pretty well. I have to say you've, uh, you've conducted yourself with uh, great restraint so far today, as in terms <laughs> of the alcoholic consumption that normally happens on a game day match. But I will say this, we got back here about 11 30, 12 o'clock last night after picking you up from the airport. And I thought for sure I'd be the one to have to wake you up this morning on the way to the game. You crashed over here. But, dude, you were up at like 5 o'clock bouncing around the room. I know it was like, you know, 8.30 in the evening for you or whatever time it is back there in Italy. But I don't even know, man. Unbelievable. You were up before I was, and I'm a morning person. So, you know, we had some of those jitters, Philly. It was, for you, definitely like the first day of school. But I felt like I got to go back a little early and get my school supplies and books a couple of days ago against Leon at the bank. But this, the first real tailgate of the year, obviously kicking off the MLS season at Bank of California Stadium on today, March 1st. It was great to reconnect with everybody. We got to nestle back in between our old neighbors, Ben from Relentless, and of course the amazing Cuervos to our right. Just such a great group. And honestly, that's what makes this club so great, Philly, is walking around Christmas Tree Lane, being invited over and welcomed into every single tent, every single supporters group and club out there. Just the best. I mean, it's great to be back in L.A. Even better to be back at Bank of California Stadium. It's great being in front of these mics. And I'll say this. It's great being with you, my friend. All of Major League Soccer's eyes were certainly on this match today. Of course, against the fighting Ibises of Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Enter Miami CF. You know, it was obviously David Beckham in They're the house. They're getting sued. It might be AC Miami <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I know. We had David Beckham in the house. Lots of star power there today. Just a ton of different people. We had, uh, what's a celebrity chef? Gordon Ramsay. He walked through today. Just a ton of really cool people. Liv Tyler, Eva Longoria. Yeah, and, and you know, we had... Uh, Philly and the Scarf. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Much we star had, power we there. We had the twins. We had the big guy. We had 
Jack and Ava's parents along with Jack and Ava. I mean, all the superstars were out there in Founders today as well. We had a lot of fun, honestly. Again, just being back at Bank of California Stadium. You you guys know how we do our episodes. And in fact, this episode is going to be a little bit shorter on the front end as there is really only a This Day in LAFC History segment along with just a little quick MLS news and note or one or two Uh, before we get into the game recap, and then it'll be the game recap. And real quick, if you are expecting our new fan favorite segment, checking out Cruz Azul, well, they haven't played a game since our last episode. So real quick, they play on March 7th. They take on Tijuana in the ninth match of the Clausura on March 7th, and that ends our segment, checking out Cruz Azul. So, Philly, we've got a little this day in LAFC history. We've got a little news about one of our, our fan favorites that's no longer with us. And then we've got our game recap. Let, let's get right into this, my friend. We talked about this on the last podcast. Of course, today... No, no, we. You talked about I, it last you, on this You know podcast. me. I just use that we term every single time, my brother, because it's you and me doing this thing. Speaking of the we thing, yes. the uh, rest in peace, Kobe. Did you hear the speech that Shaq made and the joke he said about Kobe? Oh, absolutely. It's just like, there's, you know, there's no I in team. No, but there's a me in mother. Right? <laughs> Hilarious. Dude, Kobe, uh, again, I just still can't believe it. There was uh, a couple of people walking around Christmas tree lane today selling some bootleg Kobe scarves. And oh. and it just, you know, it brings it right back into the, the lump in my throat. And it's just awful. I still... As a Kobe guy, born and raised, can't believe it still, but, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. This day in LAFC history, we'll start again March 1st. You guys already know it was Peter Goober and Carlos Vela's birthday. More on how Carlos Vela decided to celebrate his birthday and give us all a gift later today. But also March 1st, 2018, LAFC announces their radio broadcast partners for the 2018 and 2019 seasons. Philly and the Scarf. No, that would be ESPN LA 710 and KFWB 980 for Spanish (laughs) radio broadcasts. Of course, they have just renewed with ESPN Radio this last year. On March 1st, 2019, LAFC signed Peter Lee Vassell to an official contract, our 2019 super draft pick, the 40th pick overall. Also on that date, we had two other cool kind of things happen. LAFC announces a long-term partnership with Ticketmaster. I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. There have been some hits and some misses there with Ticketmaster. And then inside LAFC, LAFC's official podcast debuts with hosts Max Bredos and Vince LaRosa. Let's move real quick to March 2nd. In March 2nd, 1974, happy birthday to assistant coach Ante Razov, the former MLS great, scoring 114 goals in his career. And the cool thing about Ante Razov as an MLS coach is he won MLS Cup with Bob Bradley as his coach on the 1998 fire. So that's kind of neat. March 2nd, 2018, LAFC officially announcing their inaugural roster of 22 players. More on that roster in just a second. They also announced the acquisitions of Charlie Lyon and James Murphy. March 2nd, 2019, former LAFC backup goalkeeper Quillen Roberts signs with Forge FC of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada in the Canadian Premier League, eh? Yes, that is actually a thing. Sponsored by Molson, eh? Yeah, right. And Tim Hortons. 
on coffee. March 3rd, just two days from now, we've celebrated Carlos Vela's birthday. It'll be time to celebrate Coach Bob Bradley's birthday, March 3rd, 1958. So make sure if you see Bob two days from now, wish him a very, very happy birthday. But don't call him Coach. Don't call him Coach. And on March 3rd, 2019, that. LAFC defeated Sporting Kansas City at home in the first game of 2019, 2-1. Adama Diamande scoring an improbable winner off an assist from Jordan Harvey in his 300th MLS game. That goal was scored in the fourth minute of stoppage time, 90th plus four. Diego Rossi scoring the first goal of the 2019 season, just like he scored the first goal of the 2018 season. More on that later. And it was also the MLS debut of Peter Lee Vassell and the first win ever for coach Bob Bradley on his birthday just a couple days left in this day in lafc history until our next pod march 4th 2018 of course the day the historic day in lafc history as our first regular season game played up in seattle and of course the man who scored the first goal against the sounders diego rossi there you go in the 11th minute laurent simon the first captain in team history benny failhaber earning the first yellow card in team history <laughs> tristan blackman That's a the first stat for i know you. right tristan blackman the first substitute in team history tyler miller first clean sheet in team history, and of course, Major League Soccer debuts for Joe Almutinho, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Mark Anthony Kay, and Tristan Blackman. LAFC recording just one shot on goal, and it was the goal scored by Diego Rossi. We've got a couple of others, but I'm going to skip through to just one last thing I want to mention. March 5th, March 5th, 1990, Marco Arena's birthday. March 5th, 1997, three umlauts, Nico Hamalainen's birthday. March 5th, 1998, Diego Rossi's birthday. And March 5th, a year I'm not allowed to say, Mama Scarf's birthday. <laughs> my mom, happy birthday Yay. to my mom, March 5th of a year that I would get in trouble if I told you. And that is this day in LAFC history. Philly trivia question for you. Oh boy. The oh first, boy. first game in LAFC history, March 4th, 2018. Diego Rossi scores the goal. We win one nothing. How many players... Of the 17 that we had active, not 18, even though you're allowed 18, how many players do you think of the 17 that we had active are still on the roster in 2020? What do you think? Oh, I got to think about this one. You're going to really make me think on this lack of REM sleep. All right. Um, 17 players. All right. How many are still on the LAFC roster just two years, not even two full calendar years later? All right. I'm going to think about this and I'm going to call out some names. And then I'm going to stop and think about it, and you're going to tell me whether I'm right. So we yes. got Vela. We have Vela. We got Rossi. We have Rossi. We got Latif. Latif. We got Kay. Mark Anthony Kay. We got Yakovic. Dayon. We got Harvey. Harvey. We got Tristan. And Tristan. That's it. And I might be older. I'm not shooting them, but I'm definitely drawing a blank right now. That's it. Just That's it? seven. All right, so seven. Wow, all right, cool. So I'm going to name just a couple of names for you. Ready? These are LAFC all-time greats here. Charlie Lyon. <laughs> Rodrigo Pacheco. James Murphy. Omar Gaber, you got you remember these guys well. For those of you listening out in LAFC land, of course you remember those four players. Well, Omar Gaber, you could find his shirt online for like two bucks. Yeah, that's true. They did have the jersey with uh, Omar Gaber out there on sale for a while. Also, Marco Arena, Joao Moutinho, Benny Failhaber, Laurent Simon, Stephen Betashore, and Tyler Miller. Those are 10 players no longer on the roster just two years later. But man, what a great two years it has been in Philly. 
you had wanted to mention one other former LAFC player for his exploits in the first game of Nashville FC's team history. You want to talk about missing a player? Wow. He just etched his name in the history of a club. Walker Zimmerman, the first player for Nashville to score a goal off, surprise, surprise, a set piece. However, he didn't head it in. He kicked it in. And watching that, you couldn't help but feel happy for Walker to just have such an unbelievable achievement in such a short period of time. But it really sinks in that he's gone. And the only time we will probably be able to root for him again is when we see him on the U.S. men's national team. It's great that he etched his name in the history of Nashville, but man... Definitely miss him out there in our back line, dude. Yeah, and the tough part is when he comes to play us at Bank of California Stadium or we go to play him, I'm going to be a real big fan of Walker right up until the first kick. And after the match is over, I can go back to being a big fan of Walker. But I'm sorry, bud. Just like with Lee Wynn today, we had no problem giving him a standing ovation as he was warming up. We had no problem giving him a standing ovation as he came into the game. There was a really nice tribute video to him as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know what? That like 93rd, 94th minute, I would have had a real problem with Lee Wynn then. But we'll more talk on about that, that later. In a little bit. However, Nashville losing that game, Philly two to one. But it's I will argue, yeah, I will argue that Atlanta even though they beat Nashville, suffered a much larger loss. Of course, Joseph Martinez out for the season with a torn ACL. One of the few strikers in the league who could really challenge Carlos Vela for the golden boot. And in my mind, probably the second most prolific goal scorer in MLS history, really. I mean, he is just a special, special talent. Well, he is out for the year and taking his place, it looks like, Former Phoenix rising great Adam Jan or Adam John coming out there. So, yikes. All right. 77 games, 84 goals. And if you're a fan of this league, you, you definitely, unless you're an Orlando City fan, I mean, I can understand that. But, <laughs> man, what, what, a, what a blow to the league. What a blow to Atlanta United. Frank DeBoer's got his work cut out for him, and P.T. Martinez is really going to be the solution to help fill that out. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Atlanta United's no longer going to be a threat. No, I don't think so. I mean, look, they've got a lot of talent on that roster No Julian Gressel, no Darlington Nagby. No Miguel Almiron, now no Joseph Martinez. I mean, No Paul McDonough. He's on Inter-Miami now, We saw him in the elevator today. Oh, my goodness, seeing Paul McDonough out there. That was pretty cool. So let's get to the LAFC stuff. Philly, uh, we had a game today. We did, so... Footballing legend David Beckham decided to become, you guessed it, an owner, along with Jorge Mas, of course, the true money behind Inner Miami. He decided to start a club in a pretty cool city. Yes, Miami is a lot of fun. For those of you who don't know, Miami is a city that parties really hard and parties very late into the night. See Will Smith. <laughs> Benvenido, Ami. Party in the city and the heat. Is he adopted a pink and black color combination, which I have to say is one of my favorite color combinations. <laughs> but the thing about Inner Miami, and we've mentioned it in previous podcasts, is it felt like a rush job. He waited on signing a head coach, and he finally succeeded in doing so by signing Diego Alonso from Monterey. And that's essentially what led to Rodolfo Pizarro being on the club because together they won the Clausura in Liga MX. No major designated players, no kit sponsors, although I'm going to 
quote Scarfette on this. Yes. Scarfette said that she the inner Miami players looked like they were playing in lingerie. Yeah, they so, had the pink shorts and the white top. It was very juicy couture, Victoria's Secret. Yeah, exactly. So considering the fact that one of the owners' wives is named Victoria, why not get Victoria's Secret as your club sponsor? <laughs> that would be kind of cool, right? Oh, you clever Philly, you. <laughs> uh, it was really Just neat, no though. more Middle Eastern Airlines, please. They, uh, they did show David and Victoria up on the board. That was really cool to have them in the house and again oh it, but even before i'm sorry i, oh, I didn't mean to I, I wasn't gonna you. talk about no this. no no you you we absolutely had to we oh. absolutely had to we saw david beckham today you and i as we were walking up the stairs to founders club yes. but in what i think was one of the most gangster scarf moves i have ever seen <laughs> scarf I look yes. at him, I'm like, hi, David. And then Scarf goes, David. And then why don't you fill out the rest of the story? Yeah. I was blown away. I was, uh, I didn't say anything. I was, I was a deer in a headlight. And I don't get starstruck, but I love Bex. All right, so. I, Not I, the beer. I really wasn't going to bring this up. You had, oh my God. I, this is the most gangster thing ever. But I, I, I taught Brooklyn Beckham. I went through puberty on that for, voice. I know, right? You sounded like me for the last two podcasts. <laughs> you I, What, you mean like a pit stop, truck stop, like a coffee waitress? Oh my goodness. Hi, my name's Lorraine. Can I take so, your order, darling? Smoking out of her neck. So for, <laughs> dear God, that's a terrible visual. <coughs> so for three years, Brooklyn Beckham went to the school that I teach at. And so I got to know David and Victoria and Brooklyn, you know, relatively well. And it, it was just one of those things. We were coming up the stairs to walk into Founders. He was going down the stairs to go to, I think, the field box or whatever it might have been, wherever he was headed. And, and I just... Saw him and looked at him and said, hey, David, he turned around. We we gave each other a hug, exchanged some pleasantries. It was nice to see him again. And it was also nice, by the way, to catch up with Brooklyn a little bit later there in Founders 2. He was walking through, and, and I saw him and said hi. Nothing I had planned to do, but uh, the twins, Lalo and Gaston, were definitely ready to punch me right in the mouth after that. But it was kind of neat to be able to, to hang out with Bex just for a minute or so. But can we please go to the recap of the game? This part's really awkward for me. Come on, move on. All right, fine. So like we said, there, there was a match today. The first match in Season 3 of Season 25 of Major League Soccer. And to kick things off, our honorary Falconer was none other than A.C. Slater, Mario Lopez, hey, who preppy. we've been seeing a lot of at the bank. And quite frankly, I am more of a Zach Morris fan. I know a lot of people out there think, <laughs> Zach Morris is trash. Really funny series of YouTube videos. Love that. Really funny. But yes, he was the honorary Falconer. And the last time I was at the bank with you, my friend, we were recapping the Toronto game in the press box. And we saw Sonny one of Ken's Falcons, <laughs> do a very preseason-esque routine around Bank of California Stadium. Yes. But to see Ollie, I thought Ollie was sharper and more fierce than I've ever seen her. She was, you blinked your eye, you, you completely missed her. The way she mauled that lore, the stuff of legend. <laughs> yeah, Philly, why don't you go through the LAFC lineup as we started a couple of different players here against Inter-Miami than we did against Leon. Absolutely. We'll go through that injury report first and the two big names that were omitted from the roster, as you know, Adama Diamande with his fractured metatarsal and Bradley Wright Phillips, who's suffering a sports hernia injury. Now, as far as our club is concerned, our roster on our bench, I'm going to go through that real quick because there's a name that pops up on there that makes me think, I, I, I don't know, I didn't hear the press conference afterwards, but our bench consisted of Pablo Cisniega, Diego Palacios, Mohamed El Manir, Edward Atuesta, Zoinks, right. Alejandro Guido, no longer the ghost because he's been in the lineup lately, Bryce Duke, by the way, 
he is 19 years old. He's been walking 19 years on this planet, the same number as his jersey. Crazy. And Jose Cifuentes. That was our bench. Now, there's one name in particular that would make you think, why didn't he start? Is he really that burnt out still from the Olympic qualifiers? Or is he tired from the Leon game? But yes, Edward Atuesta was on our bench. He came in later. But yeah, that was a shock. But as far as our actual lineup is concerned, we had Kenneth Vermeer. And for those of you out there who had your questions or doubts, I'm sure he canceled all those out of your mind. Our backline being, hello iPhone, our backline consisted of Tristan Blackman, Dayan Yakovic, who I, have to, I gotta say, he's, I'm happy with Dayan starting. I, I really am. Eddie Segura, Jordan Harvey, Congrats on child number two. We saw Kim earlier in Founders. Dude, she looked fantastic. She had a baby like 12 days ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we wished her well. Panda even babysat for Kim's child for a little while. But yes, Jordan Harvey starting. Latif Blessing, Pancho Janela, Mark Anthony Kay, Rayito, Brian Rodriguez, Carlos Vela, and Diego Rossi. That was our starting lineup. Scarf, why don't you talk about who Inter-Miami introduced into their very first game in club history? That's right. The patchwork lineup, the 4-2-3-1 that Inter-Miami brought out there was led by their captain and goalkeeper and easily the best player on the pitch today for Inter-Miami. No doubt. Luis Robles. I mean, this guy is a quality MLS keeper with U.S. men's national team experience. He actually holds the MLS record, Philly, for most consecutive regular season starts with 183. That spanned from September of 2012 to May of 2018. I don't think I tied my shoes consecutively that many days, <laughs> let alone played soccer matches. You wear my Velcro. Goodness. I do. I can only wear Velcro from here on out. He actually has 238 MLS appearances with the Red Bulls and 281 overall appearances, and those are all club records, and he was the 2015 MLS Keeper of the Year and a three-time Supporters' Shield winner. That is their captain and keeper, Luis Robles. On defense, they had Alvis Powell. Alvis Powell at Portland Timber for quite a while, where he won the MLS Cup with them in 2015. Roman Torres, we know the name Roman Torres, a two-time MLS Cup winner with Seattle. And, of course, he beat us on the way to winning it all last year. Fourth most capped player in Panamanian history, by the way, with 118. Also back there on defense, Nico Figal, the Argentine former Copa Sudamerica winner. And Ben Sweat. 33 caps with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Shout out to our friend Red Madrona before making 72 appearances with Philly's former club NYCFC over the last three seasons. In the midfield, it was Victor Uloa, former Open Cup and Shield winner with FC Dallas. Midfielder Will Trapp and this must have been a weird one for Will Trapp because basically ever since he's been a little boy, he's played in Columbus, born and raised, a homegrown signing with the crew, made 185 appearances over the last seven seasons before joining Miami. He's also played on the men's national team 20 times. One of their two DPs, not Francisco, but Rodolfo Pizarro, over <laughs> 200 <laughs> caps. Yeah, go Google Francisco Pizarro, everybody. Over 200 caps in Liga MX before joining Miami. He's also capped 25 times with El Tri, of course, including last year's Gold Cup final victory over the U.S. Also on the wing, you have Lewis Morgan, 23-year-old Scottish national. On the wing, Matias Pellegrini. I didn't realize, Philly. This kid, this Argentine, is 19 years old, and he's their second DP in team history. No, they're counting on a lot of offense from this kid and rounding out the lineup. The number one overall selection in the 2020 Super Draft, Robbie Robinson. Of course, we had the number one overall selection. 
three seasons ago with Joao Moutinho, the NCAA Player of the Year last year and looked pretty decent in his MLS debut. And of course, part of the 18 who definitely factored in late, Lee Wynn. We miss Lee Wynn. We wish him all the best right up until he checked into the match. And those are our lineups. Again, Jordan Harvey, you mentioned getting the start for Diego Palacios, Pancho Janela for Atuesta. That meant, Philly, that on our back line, we had 36-year-old Jordan Harvey and soon-to-be 35-year-old Dayon Jakovic, but we've seen a lot of good things from them over the course of the preseason and against in Leon, especially from Dayon Jakovic. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And it took us all of, what, about five minutes, Philly, to get into the game. Carlos Vela with a perfect cross to Diego Rossi, headed on target, and the first of many good saves by Luis Robles. But hello, season three. Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi announcing their presence with authority. Absolutely. Luis Robles. Had it been another keeper, that could have been one to nothing. Luis Robles making his presence felt, and he made a number of good saves. From a goalkeeper's perspective, this was an exciting matchup because both goalkeepers got tested quite a bit and both goalkeepers made a lot of really good saves. But yes, we struck early within the first five minutes. Prior to that, though, watching the game, there was a lot of sloppy passing. It looked more like a high school JV game to to figure things out. LAFC doing their thing, Inter-Miami... Well, their first game, so obviously we know you know they were trying to figure out new ways to, to do things. We call Rodolfo Pizarro. You made the comment about him being Francisco, who was a famous explorer. He was playing the role of Francisco Pizarro because they were exploring different ways to do wow. different kinds of things. Wow, that was... I mean, you made that work through a long roundabout day. That was pretty impressive. All Thank right. you. In the eighth minute, Jordan Harvey making his presence known early, a veteran track back there by Jordan Harvey and a great takeaway. And I thought, okay, all right, Jordan's going to settle in quite nicely. That led to a run by Raito through the defense in the ninth minute, making the pass to Rossi, who finds K for a goal, called back offside. Uh, That was the first of three. it, It looked like it was the right call for that goal being called back offside. But all I could think of is here we go again. Nine minutes in, already knocking on the doorstep. We looked so strong and so confident against Leon. And through the first nine minutes, I really liked the way we were playing. Raito, I will say, is a dribbler extraordinaire. You see him take on one, two, three defenders and really nutmegging them, going around, swishing and swashing. Unbelievable. But one touch too many, in my opinion. Yep. There's no doubt he's one of the more talented, if not the most talented dribbler on our club. I mean, Carlos Vale is as well, but Raito does it with such style and such speed and finesse. Some of the moves he makes, I'm not going to lie, reminiscent of like Ronaldo, the way he moves his legs. Yeah, no, he's a very, very talented young kid. And again, the reminder is what, he's 20, 21 years old. Really young kid that I think is going to come into his own throughout the course of this season. Don't Christian Ramirez label him yet. No, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got between 10 and 12 goals by the time we're done with this season, especially with Adama Diamande being out hurt, with Bradley Wright Phillips being out hurt, and Adrian Perez really finding his footing for the first time. It wouldn't surprise me if this kid has a bunch of goals. You know, we talked about Jordan Harvey in the 15th minute, man. Jordan Harvey was taken out pretty spectacularly. But LAFC able to keep possession, referee allowing them to play the advantage. But unfortunately, nothing came of the advantage. But the first real chance for Miami Philly came in about the 20th minute. Yeah, Pellegrini had a shot, ended up getting stuffed by Segura. But yes, Miami, Miami had a couple of decent chances 
throughout the course of the game. It didn't really happen early, but yes, Eddie Segura making his presence felt by stuffing number 11, Mr. Pellegrini. Yeah, 22nd minute, we got to see the talent of Rodolfo Pizarro. He, Francisco, he was exploring. No, 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 Rodolfo, he was playing soccer. He bends, <laughs> I mean, he bent this ball in the 22nd minute. I think Vermeer, he was. He made it look easy while he was corralling it, but that had a lot of bend on it. Really nice job there by Pizarro. 23rd minute, you know, one thing that I said, Rossi earned a corner and nothing came off of it, but off the restart, it was Raito who had to do a really good job of tracking back. And what I put in my notes is, you know, if his offense isn't going to show up early in games, at least he's making himself a factor, at least early on in this one, by tracking back and playing some defense. You mentioned it, Philly, in the 25th minute, the second good chance for LAFC wiped away by an offside call. Yep. And then here comes that man again in the 28th minute. Luis Robles, a save on a rocket by Diego Great Rossi. Shot by Diego. Luis Robles making it stand up for Inter Miami. A little bit of confusion on the back line in the 29th, Philly. Yeah, absolutely. Janelle and Kay had that confusion, which led to an attacking chance. But Latif Blessing, being the playmaker that he is, thwarted that from happening and, and going into fruition. Latif if you could get exhausted just by simply watching number seven, try this at the next match. Focus only on Latif for about a good five to ten minutes, and you will see how much heart and hustle this kid has. He is on the offensive end. He is on the defensive end. He would probably steal Kenneth Vermeer's gloves, put him on, make a save, quickly put him off, switch with Vermeer, and run back and forth. The kid does everything, and he truly is an outstanding player and an exhausting one to watch. It's like yeah, watching pinball, but we were having this conversation with the Twins earlier. It's amazing that Sporting Kansas City is kicking themselves in the dong for letting him go. You got to have one of those like seizure warnings or something on there if you're going to tell people, Philly, to just watch Latif Blessing <laughs> over the course of 30 to 45 minutes. I'd like minutes. to make it exciting for the millions. And millions. Had to throw that in there. I mean, my goodness, he is just a blur. A beautiful save by Kenneth Vermeer in the 30th minute, and Luis Robles returns the favor on Diego Rossi in the same minute. I mean, unbelievable. Let me tell you something about that real quick. So, yeah. yes, the fact that a bunch of those shots were getting to Robles, it was pretty impressive. When we talk about the stat line, we'll tell you the difference between shots and shots on goal. But if you were watching Miami play, it was a very interesting thing. It looked like you had five or six, in some cases, seven players constantly in the box. Vela's shots were getting blocked. Diego Rossi's shots were getting blocked. Raito was getting the ball taken from him. They plugged so many people at the end. They were playing like they were scared. But at the same time, when they were pressing, it looked like they had five people on there. So you had half the team playing defense, half the team playing offense in certain situations. It was a very, very interesting case. Yeah, you know, flash forward to the 32nd minute, and for the second time, really, we have a little confusion on our back line coming off of a set piece. And what scares me is at times last season, we really had some issues with set piece defense. And when I saw that there in the 32nd minute, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. We'll see what happens this season. An absolutely beautiful corner Philly in the 35th minute by Raito. Tristan Blackman just couldn't get to that ball, but it was a perfect corner by Raito, and then I thought, you know, it was really nice, Philly. In the 36th minute... I'm, I, I didn't even see this. This yeah, is hilarious. Latif Blessing ran through to get a ball and happened to run through the coaching staff and bench of Miami. He, I thought he was just being hospitable. You know, he went to go check on Lee Wynn, see how Lee Wynn was doing. You know, it was really nice of Latif to do that. I'd prefer him not to do it during the middle of the game. 
And, and it really seemed like Miami preferred him to not be over there on their sideline for a little bit either. Not sure what happened. He got a little bit of a talking to from the referee. And then Philly, I look over, and half the south end is cheering wildly, and I realize, oh, Lee Wynn has gotten up to warm up. So everyone giving Lee Wynn a nice welcome there in the 36th. Yes, and rightfully so. Lee Wynn was definitely a fan favorite. In our section, I don't know if you heard this, but somebody actually booed when they announced Lee Wynn's name during the, the course of the introductions. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you boo Lee Wynn? He didn't leave here for more money. It was a situation where he was picked up in the expansion draft. So for you out there, if you do listen to this podcast and you booed Lee Wynn, screw you. And that's a quick rant with Philly. But yes, <laughs> I mean that, that's what happened. We talked about how Dayon has been a, just been a joy to watch in the back line with some great saves. However, awful, awful giveaway that led to a diving save <laughs> oh, by Kenneth Vermeer. And the very oh. next ball, Eddie Segura had to play goalie and clear another into the corner from Miami. Nothing comes of it, though. Yes, Dayon, not perfect. That was a scary case. But Kenneth Vermeer, wow. I think one of the things that I hate myself for is that I somehow get into these like Twitter rabbit holes <laughs> and stay off the Twitter. I have to. I don't respond because I don't. I feel like I'd get into fistfights. But I can't believe there are people out there that were thinking that Kenneth Vermeer it, it doesn't deserve to be the starting goalkeeper. Seriously, if you don't think that after today's match that Kenneth Vermeer doesn't belong between the pipes, then I don't know what the heck you're watching because he was fantastic today. And we'll talk at the end about how he was honored for his fantastic performance. Yeah, look, there were plenty of people on Team Tyler, myself included. There are definitely a lot of people still on the San Pablo Cisniega bandwagon. I mean, look, the kid is young and talented, and we'll see what happens. But watching Kenneth Vermeer over the last couple of games, he's just looked fantastic today, being his best performance so far. And, and again, I'll say this about Eddie Segura. Eddie Segura is not long for Major League Soccer, unfortunately. I just have that feeling that both of our Eddies, Edward Atsuesta and Eddie Segura, are going to be gone sometime soon. But the way Segura has been playing over the last couple of games, he has just taken that leadership mantle on the back line and looks fantastic. In the 40th minute, Mark Anthony Kay with some excellent dribbling to Raito. Shot saved easily, though Raito couldn't get a lot on it. I'm thinking, man... We got to get Brian Rodriguez to get a little bit more pace on his shot. And again, Philly in the 42nd minute, here comes Inter-Miami. Pizarro gets his shot saved and a short header has to be cleaned up by Vermeer. We just didn't look good on the corner defense. But you know what? All was forgotten in the 44th. Yes, after some good pressure and after a pass from Diego Rossi, Vela gets it outside of the box jukes a couple of players, and has one of the most world-class goals that you're going to see early on in this young MLS season. He chips it past Luis Robles, who wasn't that far off of his line. And just like that, we have a goal. It was a beautiful goal, and I would implore you to go on YouTube and to watch it with the best stream that you possibly can. How he captured the ball on his chest that first touch and how he got through a couple of defenders 
And then the chip itself, it was so, so pretty. It has to be a goal of the week nominee. It was it was too wonderful not to be. And just like that, we have our first half. Yeah, Philly, it reminded me a little bit, unfortunately, of that Zlatan goal last year where he kind of chested the ball over, and I think he plays it over Edward Atuesta. Yeah, I mean, he shoves him to the side. Yeah, and then kind of fires it back in. But this one, if you go back and look, watch Luis Robles in slow motion between his hand and the top of the crossbar might have been two or three yards maybe of space in between his hand and the crossbar. What a beautiful chip, a world-class goal by a world-class player on his birthday. Carlos, we would like to thank you for that beautiful birthday gift that you gave us on your birthday. We looked good, not great, but we're in the lead. Happy 31st birthday, Captain, and congratulations on your 49th Major League Soccer goal. And at the end of the game, and this is kind of funny, one thing Bob Bradley said in the press conference, he says this to everybody in there, and he goes, I quote, all you should be allowed to ask me about and all you should be allowed to write about is that goal. Bob Bradley was enamored and in awe of his captain's goal. That's all he wanted to talk about. That's all he wanted the writers to write about. That's all he wanted all the podcasters to pot about. It was beautiful. Yeah, I think you might have also been throwing up a little bit of smoke screen. There were some holes on the back line a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it was a sloppy game. Our passing definitely wasn't great from time to time. We might have actually been playing down to enter Miami a little bit. But we came out Philly in the second half and we're absolutely roaring. Diego Rossi with another goal called offside. And, and again, clearly the right call, but I thought, okay, we're going to come out in the second half. We're going to put our foot on the gas. And then really, Philly, not a lot going on in the second half offensively for LAFC. Offensively, no. But defensively, yes, there was an awful lot going on because Miami all of a sudden decided to wake up. And they started playing very, very chippy to the point where we started getting aggravated as supporters at the referees. There were several pushdowns on on Rossi. There was... There was yeah, there was a, a mugging mug. of Vela. There yeah. was muggings on on Latif. On Latif, and, and then that play by Jakovic where he got taken down. And nothing was being called. Nothing. And, and then, this ref that we see on a consistent basis. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I believe his last name is Chapman. He looks like Bob Bradley's bro- twin doppelganger brother. God, go back to ref school, bro. You you missed so many things, and it's just so irritating seeing your name on the referee list because we know you're not going to call things correctly, and we know we're going to be annoyed. I don't think there's ever been another ref in any other match that we've seen that has annoyed me more than this guy. Yeah, you know, let's flash back real quick to the 53rd minute when Kenneth Vermeer had to watch that ball trickle just oh, wide of the goalpost. God, goal he would have not had a shot and at that. He, he knew he had no shot at it. We got pretty lucky. Pizarro got a small touch on it, and I thought, wow, that was a world-class job to even get a touch on that ball. Trickles by just wide, and I thought, what a great substitution in the 59th minute by Bob Bradley trying to settle things down a little bit after we had physical play after physical play he brings in Edward Atuesta for Mark Anthony K in the 59th minute but as soon as he comes into the game I mean the first foul on Atuesta like the first touch he even has near the ball results in a yellow card ridiculous yes. Chapman again he, he was definitely behind his man and it might have been a bit of a late tackle but we were manhandled on several plays just before and couldn't get a single call to go our way in terms of a card. And I wrote something in my notes in the 60th minute, Philly. I said, 
we need a goal to break Miami. They still feel like they are in this because, well, they are. It was one nothing, and I just felt like Miami had far too much confidence for an expansion side with a, a relatively misfit roster <laughs> putting everything together against us the way they had. They accounted for themselves very well through the first 60 minutes. But again, another world-class play by Carlos Vela earning a yellow on FC Dallas's Victor Loa on a, for a tackle from behind, and that was just because Vela got around him pretty easily. The free kick, though, unfortunately, nothing came of it. And Philly, on the ensuing counter, it was a pass from Luis Robles that sprung Miami down the wing. Jordan Harvey just unfortunately doesn't have that gear of speed anymore, and Kenneth Vermeer had to come all the way out, oh, yeah. make a play, and what a late tackle. Alvis Powell, very lucky he only got a yellow on the play. Should have been more. Harvey just couldn't get there, and Kenneth Vermeer wound up getting crushed. But luckily, what, after a minute or two of being down, got right back up and stayed, stayed out there. He got his clock cleaned, and instantly you see Cisniega come up, take off his, his practice uniform, and we're sitting there going, no, there's no way we can lose Kenneth Vermeer. It, it was a scary thing. But once he stood up, it looked like they were going through the motions of concussion protocol. Cisniega put back on his penny and, and sat right back down. But you're right. Yeah. Harvey just didn't have the speed to get back. And luckily, Kenneth Vermeer was fine, and he continued to play well throughout the course of the game. But seeing him on the ground that quickly, and it was a rough, rough tackle. But... Moving along, he was fine. Three minutes after that, a pleasant, pleasant insertion into the game. Not into the LAFC lineup, but we all had to get up, do a little standing ovation, and clap for Lee Wynn as he subbed into the game in the 68th minute. Yeah, the the swagger, the style, the flair, everything that Lee Wynn brought to LAFC, he now gets to do in black and pink. Again, it was one of the, it was a numbers game expansion draft we just couldn't protect all the players we wanted to protect and honestly Miami would have been stupid had they not drafted Lee Wynn a great pickup a great veteran and a great guy man 68 minutes in Lee Wynn is there Raito blocked to force a corner in the 69th and then puts a perfect corner to Eddie Segura but Segura just pushed it over the bar yeah should have been been two nothing absolutely should have been two nothing and I wrote in my notes there, Philly, I thought, okay, LAFC starting to play downhill a little bit, starting to take control. 70th minute, Raito has a shot partially deflected and blocked. 71st minute. there are seven people in the box. I know, right? 71st minute, a good ball by Day onto Rossi, but Rossi just couldn't get a lot on it. And we really dominated the next five or six minutes of play up until about the 74th when a great ball into Robbie Robinson, their number one draft pick, got blocked wide and the ensuing corner had to be blocked out by Jordan. A good play by Jordan Harvey that time. So now they're starting to get back into it for Miami. And then I don't know who committed the handball Philly in the 75th minute, but they had a set piece at the top of the box. And then we saw the MLS debut for Sifu. Yeah, he subbed in in the 76th minute for Pancho Janela, and he played a pretty good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this young man progresses. But Cifuentes, who had that screamer of a goal for Ecuador against the U.S. men's national team, adds a different dynamic to the midfield as he is a much bigger, stronger, thicker, more physical presence in the midfield than Pancho Janela is. But yes, moving right along, Lee takes a set piece, 
Kenneth Vermeer, once again, is there to punch it away. Yeah, so. and that led to a corner where we got lucky that Roman Torres headed that next one over the bar. But you mentioned it, Philly, how great Kenneth Vermeer has looked over the course of the preseason, the Champions League, and now this match. You, you mentioned it earlier that you talked about this is the best he's played thus far. In reality, this is he's only had a small period of time with us. It feels like we've been watching him longer because of the preseason matches that we were covering, but you knew right away seeing this young man, not a young man, well, young man compared to us, maybe not compared to the team, but you see that he just plays with a different level of confidence, a different swagger. It's just, I said it multiple times on the last podcast I was on. He's just, He's just different than what we've seen throughout the course of the past two years. I love Tyler Miller. Like you, Scarf, definitely team Tyler Miller. But man, he he should have been a man of the match. What do you think? (laughs) I think we'll talk about that right at the end of the match. Oh, really? In the 79th minute, a couple of subs for Miami, including Juan Aguadella, who spent a long time with the New England Revolution. And we got pretty lucky in the 80th as LAFC let a counter from Miami go pretty far, but we're lucky that Miami could not get organized on that counter. And then somehow on a throw-in, Jordan Harvey receiving a yellow card for stalling. It was really stalling that much. No, it really wasn't that bad. He kind of laughed it off too. And uh, and that led to a yellow actually for Miami with Juan Aguadello, who had just come in with a tackle just outside the box. The free kick rebounding to Eddie Segura, and Segura got a good shot at it. But it was blocked. Diego Rossi with a great shot in the 86th minute. And again, we're starting to feel, all right, we just got to get four more minutes, put this one in the bag. But I thought LAFC started playing a little tentative and holding on. Absolutely. 88th minute, Kenneth Vermeer, another save. Granted, it was a fairly easy save. But another scare that we had. Yeah, this is a big one. We talked about Kenneth Vermeer getting his clock cleaned. But 90th minute, Latif gets drilled in the head by a ball. It sounds kind of funny, and I'm sure we've all laughed at highlight reels of people getting bopped in the head. I know there was one video you and I were watching earlier, Scott, where there was a throw-in and some dude got blasted in the face. And it was hilarious. But that does not feel well. That is a leather ball coming at you very fast, and it hit him, and he was down for a while. It looked like he might have been concussed. Yeah, oh yeah. But he got up, he got brought to the bench, he was limping a little bit. And that was a little scary. We kind of got our fears squashed towards the end of the game, but that brought in, in the 90 plus one minute, we had Bryce Duke, 19 years of age. Where's number 19? He comes in for Latif Blessing, and in the short amount of time that he was within the match, sorry, it sounded like I went through puberty there for a second, just like Bryce Duke probably still has to go through puberty. Oh, jeez. There's something special about this kid, and to think that we only got him for $50,000, it's a steal. What were you doing at 19? I know what I was doing at 19. Certainly wasn't playing for LAFC or doing anything. The only thing I was playing was cards in a a bar. Yeah. Um, That's all. Yes, yes, at 19 because I had a fake ID. Yeah, Philly, Uh (laughs) during pre-match warm-ups, you know, had some people wondering, who's the 12-year-old that wandered onto the pitch? Is that an academy player? I mean, this kid looks young. This kid looks small. This kid looks frail. And then he takes the pitch. And whoa. Swagger and confidence like he's a veteran. The kid is legit. I'm Again, John Thorrington, Will Kuntz, our front office, just doing incredible things, finding diamonds in the rough. Bryce Duke, I can't wait to see this kid get actual playing time if he needs it. 
and we needed him to come in today for Latif Blessing, who, again, got drilled. I believe it looked like it was in the back of the head almost. But he was limping when he came off, which is also kind of interesting. Yeah, but I feel like Latif limps every time he falls on his arm, too. Is he so, limping or is he pimping? Uh, <laughs> pimping ain't easy, but it's necessary. That was the first drop ball I've seen in a while after play got started once again. And I said it in the, I, I don't know if it was the, the 90th plus two or the third minute of stoppage time, whatever it might have been. Steady Eddie on the back line once again. Another takeaway for Eddie Segura. He's looked great. Then Dayon had to track back and make a great oh, play. Oh, he made a heck of a play. Oh, yeah. Miami wound up being offside anyway, but... It's still nice to see that hustle. The last two real chances, both a set piece and then a ball that comes back, and we thought for sure, Philly, it was going to be Lee Wynn to find the equalizer right before the final whistle. So the narrative was we lose an LAFC player to Nashville and he scores a goal in the very first game in club history. And all I could do, and I'm sure a lot of you thought this as well, was, oh no, this is it, the final seconds. Lee Wynn has a free kick close enough to where he could, in LA we bend it like Vela, we don't bend it like Beckham. You think that it could be the ball. But fortunately, it wasn't. Lee's shot is saved, and that was the ball game. And despite the fact, we're going to go through stats right now, despite the fact that Miami came out a lot harder and a lot more aggressive in the second half, believe it or not, LAFC purely dominated possession. It wasn't even close. It wasn't your 51-49 situation. It was a 61 to 39 percentage. LAFC destroyed Miami when it comes to that. The goal line could have been a lot different. There were some offsides and there were some brilliant saves made by both Luis Robles and Kenneth Vermeer. Despite being one nothing, the shots, 21-15 LAFC. Shots on goal, 9-6 LAFC. Saves, Vermeer had 6, Robles had 8. Corners, 7 LAFC to 8 for Inter-Miami. Fouls, chippy match, 32 fouls overall, but it was split 16 a pop. We had offsides. Miami won that contest 7-5. Clearances, 13 for LAFC, 3 by Inter-Miami and crosses, which is an interesting statistic we haven't seen on the board in the past, but 8 crosses by LAFC to 19s for Inter-Miami, and that is your stat line. Yeah, this almost felt like a Liga Emekis game with the 32 fouls there, but let's talk about real quick... 14 saves combined by the keepers leading to just one goal finding the back of the net and and it took a special effort by Carlos Vela and I think what we saw are two of the best keepers in major league soccer today really putting on a show Uh, again LAFC as good as we looked against Leon I think our effort out there was a little disappointing but and it's a big but Anytime you can start off the season with three points and a win at home, I don't care how you look, I don't care what you needed to do to get it, the win and the three points is all that matters. And again, Philly, you are going to see the hashtag defend the shield on everything that we do. And we started our shield defense. Kudos, by the way, to the LAFC game day event squad for the banner underneath the Jumbotron. Yes. 2019 Supporter Shield winners. That'll be up all season. And then I heard we got something cool happening after the season. We get, might get something permanent in the stadium, not just a banner. An MLS trophy is what you're referring to. I right? mean, that would be great, too. The, the whole thing, though, is to defend this shield, to somehow figure out a way to be the best in the West and... The best in MLS. That's right. 
But I don't think it's going to be the case. I truly believe that we won the last honest supporter shield scarf because well, this is true. This is going throughout the course of the season. We're not going to be playing everybody. So yeah, it's great if we win the shield again. There's no doubt about that. But to me, going forward, the only thing that matters is the cup because if we're not going to play every single team, does that supporter shield really matter anymore? We won the last honest one, in my opinion. I I totally agree. Now, with there being so many teams, we don't get to see everybody each year. In fact, we don't play the home-and-home against Miami. This is their only game against us this season. Our next match, Philly, one week from today. That's right, March 8th. We will be taking on Philadelphia Union in our second game of the season, second home match to begin the season. And then, of course, Philly, we've got Cruz Azul coming in on the 12th, and we'll head there on the 18th. And then Portland, who lost today at home 2-0 to Minnesota (laughs) on the 22nd, part of our five games in 22 days. But what a way to start it off, Philly. Three points with a win at home. Absolutely. And I want to give a shout-out to the traveling Miami supporters. I believe they brought around 300 people to the match. And from what we heard, they completely took over Bandito's Pub, which is not too far from Bank of California Stadium. And early on, they were doing their little chants before the stadium was filling up, before warm-ups and everything. And the 32-52 was halfway in there, and they heard... Inner Miami supporters doing their thing and they started chanting, We can't hear you. And I, I love it when they do that because it just makes me laugh. But <laughs> yeah, shout out to them, 300 supporters. That's pretty cool considering how far Miami is. Very, very cool. And we wish you all the best. When the Galaxy come into town uh, for, with you guys, we definitely hope you kick the crap out of them. But yeah, Inner Miami, 300 fans. We met a couple of their supporters. You know, really, really nice people. But the one thing I can say just by observing the visiting section throughout the course of the match is it felt like they were more on a recon mission. Recon mission in the sense that they're trying to build something. And Jorge Mas gave them a monumental task is to replicate or try to one-up the 3252. And quite honestly, there's no way in hell that that's going to be a situation to quote my inner WWE love Vince McMahon's theme song no chance in hell that's pretty much what I have to say but yeah they look like they were more in awe of the 3252 than they were in awe of their club having their inaugural game yeah congrats to Miami though they did hold themselves on good account against LAFC they they turned out and they played a very good game again only losing one nothing at being your first game in your squad's history. Congratulations to all those players, but you get to go home with the L, and we take three points in our defense of the Shield. Philly, it was great to be back at Christmas Tree Lane to tailgate, although it's been a long, long, long day for you. Very long day, but can we honestly still call it Christmas Tree Lane? Yes. We could call it Lane. Because there's no more trees, man. We are going to bring our little Charlie Brown Christmas tree starting at the next tailgate. Hopefully, we we got to find one first. So if anybody has access to a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree, hit us up. We'll go pick it up from you. We'll pay for it. It'll be great. But we will keep the Christmas tree in Christmas tree lane until someone actually decides to rename it Vela Village or whatever else it is that they want to do. There are no Christmas trees on Christmas tree lane until the defenders can bring one, hopefully, for our next tailgate. It has been so much fun to be back with Philly right here. We are not in Philly Monster Studios this evening. We are in beautiful downtown Culver City. 
And it has been a blast recording with my partner in pod, yeah. Christian Philly Philemon. Of course, this has been The Scarf, J.R. Liebert, episode 86. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. Episode 86 of Defenders of the Bank. Thank you all for listening. We can't wait to get right back with you after the game against the Union on the 8th. The Onions. And you know how we like to end our podcast. Bye-bye.